Welcome to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. And we're on to the final <laughs> chapter of yeah. Garden of Souls, chapter five. And in order to get through that and discuss it properly, we got ourselves a proper special guest <laughs> all the way from New York City. Or wait, are you in New York, Kevin? I'm technically in New Jersey. I work in New York, so I commute in every day. But right now I'm in New Jersey. I'm in my house. Great. All the way from <laughs> New Jersey, we got Kevin Hines of the Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics podcast where he um, discussed comics with his brother, Will Hines. They are very Marvel centric at this time, even though they've covered some Watchmen. Yeah. Um, That's right. Yeah. Our next season is going to be Justice League International, though. So um, that's a scoop for you guys. I don't know if uh, that'll be announced. Maybe the same time this one gets released. Great. I can't. That's going to give me. You heard it here one minute sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just get your podcast released before our next episode. I think we're releasing the same day. So it'll just have to be. Oh, God. It's a race. (laughs) Um, And Kevin also is a teacher and a performer at the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York City, so he's very funny. That's a I game. try, I try. <laughs> uh, And then that's great. Those are great. We brought him on because we've had him with his brother on, but we're like, we don't want Will. We just want Kevin. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, I'm the BPRD junkie of the uh, of the two of us. Yes. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Well, let's jump right into that. I, um, tell us about your overall thoughts on the when they split off and they started the BPRD series. Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading Hellboy right from the beginning. Um, I picked it up uh, whenever uh, it started just because it looked interesting to me and, and Mike Mignola's art is so eye-catching. And I liked it, and then I got really into it like most uh, sane people, and I loved it. And I was like, well, I'm going to buy all of this. And at some point early on, I switched to trades only. Um, so kind of when BPRD happened, I was just like, oh, there's more trades coming out now. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll get those as well because it's you know it wasn't that much. And then um, at a certain point, uh, and it was basically this volume, Garden of Souls, I was like, oh, what happened? I'm loving this book now. Yeah. <laughs> like this used to be the thing I'm buying just because of a, a completist nature. And I was like, this is the one I am so uh, – I was so excited every time a new BPRD volume came out. I realized in a way I was enjoying it more than the Hellboy books which are probably better and more artistic and, 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 and beautiful in, in their own way. But I was like, these BPRD books just had me excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of great um, action in these. Yeah. Uh, and definitely once Guy Davis came on, it stepped up a level. Uh, and then I think John Arcudi took it to a next level. But by this volume, I remember feeling like, uh, oh, man, this thing is just humming on all levels. And I was just so into it. I was like, oh, I hope this never ends. Uh, it does eventually end, but I, at the time I was like, this is the best. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been absolutely impressed with Guy Davis's addition to the, the world of BPRD. I, yeah. I'm like, I'm slowly in and, and with John Arcudi and I know Mignola is sort of also side uh, or co-writing, but I'm still like Arcudi is really coming through and developing Abe m- m- to a degree that I think he's equal with Hellboy in my enjoyment. Yeah, I mean, Guy Davis, I had seen his work previously just in the uh, Sandman, um, uh, uh, Golden Age Sandman book that he did with, oh, I forget who wrote that. Maybe Steven Siegel maybe wrote it? I forget now. Um, It kind of came out when uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman was sort of blowing up and they sort of like brought back 
the golden age gas mask wearing Sandman um, as a side thing. Mm -hmm. And Guy Davis was the artist on that whole run. And he, it was beautiful. And I was like, oh, this guy's so good. So I'd seen him before. This is next level Guy Davis stuff. It's so much monster design and stuff like that. It's so great. Uh, and John Arcudi, I've always liked, um, did the mask, um, the good books of that and a few <laughs> other things. Um, but yeah, I think he's, he's really great at the character work. I mean, as much as Hellboy is such an awesome character, the PPRD and those books always felt like cool ideas. And in the, in these books always felt like, oh, these these feel like real people. And this volume in particular was the volume where I was like, Oh, I now love Abe more than like, I it was like, Oh, he's cool. He's interesting. And I was like, Oh, Abe is awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. Going to souls. I was like, I get him now. I get why people like him. He's so fun. And obviously all the other characters that, uh, Johan under John Arcudi's, uh, writing. It was so fun. Roger was so great. And then of course the characters that came in under John Arcudi, like, uh, um, uh, what's his name? The uh, Ben Di the, Daimyo. Daimyo, yeah. Uh, or the mummy that we meet in this volume. Like those characters are all his. Like he was there for, from the ground floor with them, and they're so interesting and full. I don't know. It's it's something really fun. I should also say, like when BPRD was coming out, when was this? Like two thousand. This is four. Yeah, around there. This well, we these talking? ones were two thousand seven. Um, two thousand, but they started back. Yeah, I think oh uh, four. I feel like in that time, comic books had started hitting this writing for the trade thing. Other comic books, Marvel and DC is what I'm mostly talking about, where it'd be like, oh, they're telling like little movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, oh, here's the Spider-Man movie of this volume. And here's the you know Captain America movie about um, Bucky. And they're still good and interesting, but like each volume kind of started from zero and each creator for sure was like a fresh start. And it didn't feel like things had boiling subplots as much as they used to, where it's like things would boil up and you'd see them seeping for a long time and then they'd kind of come out. And this book has all that, where um, I basically reread Garden of Souls for this podcast and then I had to go back and read the volumes before because I got so excited. <laughs> and just seeing like uh, uh, Johan uh, kind of stuff seeping up where he's kind of going to the sub-basement um, obviously the whole Roger subplot that, uh, ended a few volumes ago with him yeah. sort of imprinting on Damio, um, was so great. It's just like that stuff kind of started slowly and then builds up and there's stuff in this volume that I remember, Oh, I, the repercussions of this is like volume after volume. We'll see things. And, uh, modern comics lost that a little bit because, um, they wanted, they were just trying to sell, you know, they wanted to sell movie ideas yeah, and this was yeah. just Mike. Mike Mignola and John Arcudi wanted to tell a good story. Yeah, you're making me, this is a side a side thought that's off of BPRD and even Hellboy. But I recently picked up, I don't know if you, because I know you're a regular reader of comics still, Kevin. Yeah. Have you picked up Undiscovered Country at all? Yeah, I just started that maybe two weeks ago because everyone was raving about it. Yeah, I, I, I don't have really that much bad to say about it. I just, it felt to me... The way that it's structured, I was like, this is just a TV show pitch. And yeah, then it, it got picked like up that. for a TV show. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a well-done comic, but it definitely feels like there's like, it's almost built like almost like a video game with like levels and things. And so, I mean, it's still yeah. early. Who knows how it'll play out? But it reads like, oh, this is the adventure. 
then they'll finish that one. They'll move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. And I was just a little, I was just disappointed by that. Cause I was like, I wanted to read a, just a good comic, not something else that is just yeah, made it, for another, another Avenue. Just a pitch for, it, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's just tough for, I mean, comic books don't make a ton of money. So you kind of just, you almost needed to be like a side project. Like Hellboy reads like movie after movie and not in a bad way, but it was just like each thing is kind of big and epic and there's short stories too, but like the seed of destruction is a, is a story. Yeah. Uh, Conquer a worm is a story. And those are like big things. And you assume there's like Hellboy adventures in between probably that are small. Yes. The PPRD is like a TV show where it's like, Oh, this is just going to continue forever. These are the adventures. And Hellboy is funding this in a way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'll bring it back. I mean, that's, I do agree. Like all these great storylines that, uh, Arcudi and Mignola are making these BPRD has since picking it up for the podcast. I keep wanting, I'll start and I'll be like, Kate, read uh, the, the next two up, the next two issues where we can record, but I can't stop. I continue just to keep reading through yeah. and just digging deeper into this world. It's so good. How, how far are you into BRPD, BPRD? I'm are this guys- far. I personally, okay, so you guys are reading it just a little bit ahead for the podcast, but not way ahead. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because I, for, I think just cause I fell behind it, and it, when BPRD started being published, I was one of my uh, like uh, blind spots of not picking up regular issues on sure. anything. So now it's just me going, Oh great. I got to have all this stuff I get to read. It is completely extra. If you're reading Hellboy, you don't really need to read this. Yeah, you don't. (laughs) It's its own thing. Um, It doesn't, it comes up barely in like a footnote or two, maybe in Hellboy books. Um, So it is like, if you're, if you're just like, oh, I can't afford another book. It's an easy thing not to buy, but I love it, man. It is so good. It, when Guy Davis, it hurts uh, a little bit. They get some great artists to come in. It gets a little sprawling at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely in the this is plague of frogs is pretty great throughout with a couple side stories and then whatever the, what the next one is a uh, hell on earth yeah um that gets pretty sprawling in and by the end there it loses me a bit and then john arcudi leaves and then uh, that that hurt me a little bit too but i read it through the end because there wasn't much after that but um it's like you might as well. it's awesome it's just fantastic and this plague of frog story is just really fun i'm not spoiling anything when i just say it ends uh, insane. The ending is insane. <laughs> and, and <laughs> something it. you could only do in an independent comic book. I feel like it's just like, Oh yeah, this is a book that gets away with this. I mean, even, uh, killing Roger off a couple of volumes ago, he, he's such a lovable, sweet character. Yeah. Um, and they, they kill him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was a- truly surprised. I was like, there's no way like he'll come, you know, <laughs> you know, some piece yeah. of him will be there and they'll be able to like add some herbs and make them again or something. But it's like, no, the moment he's that gone. happens. Unlike other books, you're sort of like, they could kill Abe Sapien. Yeah. Like, yeah. They could, they could kill it any of these characters. Yeah. It's, it, there isn't, this isn't owned by Disney. Right. So <laughs> it's up to Mike if these characters live or die. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously it's supernatural. They could all come back. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it feels like a bigger deal. Roger's death feels like a bigger deal than most superhero deaths. For sure. Feels more fun. Um, and it obviously still having repercussions on the whole team in this volume. Yeah, definitely. I'm just more and more excited to see the development of these characters, especially like in these past issues before we get to the one we're going to talk about is just like the, the real, uh, 
world, like simple worldness between everyday life, sort of like interaction between uh, Kate and uh, Liz. I love that stuff. Yeah, it's almost like they're reaching out to each other. Um, they're like the two women on this team um, going through this crazy stuff. And they kind of just, I don't know if they're natural friends, but they're just like, they need each other to some extent. Yeah. Just to like have and, some bit of normal, like a like touching base with a fucking human for a second. Being <laughs> like, I know we went through and, this crazy thing together. I think you even see a little bit of it between Abe and Damio because Abe brings Damio on this personal mission. Yeah. He doesn't really know this guy, but like this guy has earned their trust and he's like, and they do kind of become friends a, a little bit in this volume, even though they're not on panel together a lot. Yeah. I think just by the fact that they brought him along after this, those two feel like peers more than like uh, Abe's the old dude and, and Damio's the new guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is the first one of these shares his experience really with. Yeah. And then his past and everything. So it's like, he definitely trusts him to a degree. Yeah. And I guess Damio has like a similar kind of a, uh, I don't, I don't know, not affliction. I don't know. He's like, you know, he's forcibly transformed into something else, like, you know, against his will. Yeah. It's like, well, it's definitely just, you can't, you'll get it, it on some level. It's their sort of personalities too. They are both sort of leaders and yeah, I, I got to get this done sort of mentality. I mean, it kind of leaves Johan as a, an odd man out because he's sort of quite an oddball. Looking no at, one, at papers. He's yeah, no one out of it. No one connects with him. He's such a different character. Yeah. Yeah. He, that's why like Roger's death, I think hit him so hard. Like he's just like, Oh, this is like another immortal like me. <laughs> yeah. Johan is in particular, uh, I think an Arcudi favorite. He like comes alive writing that character. Yeah. He really has. And he finds a lot of the levity through him. And I love that. Yeah. yeah. He's very These funny. Books are funny. These yeah. books are funny. They're, they're full of, uh, and they're not, like they're funny in a character way, right? The characters are funny. Yeah, Johan sneaking up on Abe and like honking the little horn of the like car, <laughs> and scaring the shit out of Abe for a second. Like, oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> like little stuff like that. Like, uh, like you know, it's not like a riot, but it's like it, it is like relatable. <laughs> yeah, it's all behavioral based. It's and, and well, you gotta have you gotta have them. They're so fantastical that you have to have them behave in these small human ways sure. to make them relatable. This so. is such a kind of terrifying storyline, right? I mean, the, the world is being overrun by giant frog monsters. Like there was that giant, um, what is it, like Ulg Hardur or whatever, the, the giant monster that climbed out of the earth a few volumes ago. Yeah, yeah. Devastated an entire city. <laughs> I mean, these are horrifying, dark things. It'd be very easy for this book just to be dark and dire and grim but they still find fun in character and human moments, which, uh, you know, just makes everything sing. I mean, I credit Arcudi a lot with why this book works. I mean, Mike, I think is an idea machine, but I think John is really great at massaging out the character beats and this, the heart from those stories in a great way. Yeah. The guy Davis just makes it look good. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And then Dave Stewart's colors to make everything pop. Yeah, the designs in this book, these, these, um, uh, what do you guys call it? Terranauts is what you yeah, guys are Yeah, that's calling? what we're calling them, Terranauts. <laughs> that's a great name. Uh, they're so, they're all so cool looking. It's just all so creepy. The, 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 and also like the, and then the vats are creepy looking. Everything is kind of cool and creepy at the same time. Yeah. The vision of the future that Liz saw is just epic and huge. Guy Davis has such range. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I can only agree. 
I'm so excited. I think we should just jump right into this issue. Let's do it. This final issue with Kevin. Uh, you want to uh, go for it? Uh, sure, Kate? yeah. So, like, uh, I'll go through the little stats. One published July 2007, uh, written by Mignola and John R. Cutie, illustrated by Guy Davis, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley, the god. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so pretty much where we left off, you know, Abe was about to be crushed by a giant rock at the hands of, at the robotic hands of his Terranaut kind of creature. <laughs> Nanette's like in dire trouble. She's going to like, that's kind of where we pick up immediately. Her. I realized too, and re- this is fucking gross. It's oh, so sorry. gross. But yeah. I just wanted to, we didn't call this out cause I didn't catch it. Is that the scissors that he's cutting her skin with? Yeah, I think are the same scissors that was undoing her wraps originally. Man, they're just because they're, they're like gold, more and more. Yeah, they're like these guys. Like the, this is such an English. Like these guys are very English in that way, right? <laughs> Not to like disparage all English people, but I think that the in as far as like this idea of like of doing anything in the name of science, like regardless of how, like, I feel like it's like a, you see it in British stories a lot. Like am I? No, I think that's like the time machine and things like that. Or like, I I mean like, you know, like scientists of that era yeah, or like people who like excavated Egypt and like took it back to England. Like, it's kind of like, this is ours because we are going to help. Like this is, we're going to help, but they're like fucking tearing it apart. It's very much a very toxic uh, finders keepers mentality. Yeah, it's, up. it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. these guys tell themselves that they are good people, but yeah. they still think that even when they're like skinning, right? An old she, he's woman, like I mean, snipping away pieces of like sinewy, you know, uh, beef jerky pieces of her forearm. Like it's just it's so gross. Light. And also like you know this like lack of blood. It just like adds to the like kind of magic of her being. St- preserved and alive it's pretty cool she's still giving him a headache as that's yeah. happening um and she's not she's not screaming i mean she's oh, i guess she is screaming uh for a second uh, we don't see her face screaming yeah Ugh, is it gross and then <laughs> on to the next page of more snipping but this time it's a wire on the bomb that the <laughs> that this crew has planted around various islands like <laughs> in the south pacific and it just Daimyo's, you know, I love this little exchange of like the police officer being like, hey, maybe you should wear this armor. And Daimyo's like, that'll just make me drown faster. This thing's going to blow up. It's going to destroy this fucking island. And he's like, "Uh, all of my men are here. Maybe don't scream that. (laughs) Yeah. So they're like disabling, working to disable the bombs. Meanwhile, back in the mansion, uh, an alarm goes off as they're as they're able to disable one of the bombs. Abe's still in his precarious place on the beach and has to roll out of the way of this giant boulder. Damn, but you're a yeah. nimble little leapfrog. Like, calling him a leapfrog throughout this uh, issue is pretty fun. Yeah. Sort of a, um, a cop-out on the uh, cliffhanger. It's like, it's a, this thing's about to hit him, and he just, well, he moved. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. he got out <laughs> of the way. Are sometimes. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. is he going to survive? Oh, he moved. Okay, great. Oh, he rolled, Abe. he rolled. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go. I, wait, I waited all month for that. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, but <laughs> you know, it can't be. It can't be jaw dropping at every single turn. <laughs> no, 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 no. Still. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like, "Well, go swim away. I don't know. I gotta. I got things to attend to." It's like that. Teradot goes back to kind of see what's going on. Why these alarms are going off? The bombs disabled. 
we see the little girl from the previous issues coming back. She's now uh, again being not like possessed by Nanette, but like she's like channeling through this little girl Mm -hmm. to speak to Daimyo. I think she might be completely controlled. I don't know if she's got it. (laughs) Yeah, maybe possessed is right. Yeah, Yeah. she's like. Closer to possessed than anything else. Yeah. Um, And she's like, yeah, so let's let's go find Abe, essentially. Um, Meanwhile, in this. She sees that the end game is coming. These guys are cutting her. Abe's there. Everything's playing out the way she sort of wants it to. Yeah. She's like, we got to find. Come on. Let's finish this. And then uh, within this like fun steampunky room with like big fat wires all over the. The cottage, they called it. Yeah. Get somebody get to the cottage. It's just a fun. It's a great look like having having this sort of like beautiful Victorian looking like ceiling and chandelier and then like wall, like floor to ceiling computer, com- like, you know, yeah. Yeah. consoles. Tubes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like vacuum tubes. It's a uh, uh, old so school fun. room sized. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is just a, an adding machine. This is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're uh, just doing their taxes. That's yeah. right. They're balancing their checkbook with punch cards. Mm-hmm. It's like, focus, we got to get to this other. Oh, uh, so yeah, they're all kind of like checking in, hoping it's just the one bomb malfunctions, but then other ones start going out. So they're like, okay, we got to hurry up and start to enact our plan. I'm going to, uh, where does he say it? I'm going to, pre- I'll prepare my body to receive whatever number of spirits headed in, he- uh, heed the beacon. So they're going to try to set off the remaining bombs and see like, okay, we'll just try to get who we get basically. Yeah. They realize they're out of luck here and they're going to do what they can. Yeah. Yeah. Edward's just, I love that Edward's running away while taking his shirt off. Yeah. yeah. Hit, activate the soul beacon. <laughs> well, he doesn't want to hulk out of his white jeans or whatever when he gets all these souls inside of him. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to get some skin out there for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's going to expand. And then Abe just like kicks in through the fucking window like yeah. action-packed Abe with Abe. his cane. <laughs> He's full on superhero here. Yeah, that's incredible. He like very nimbly jumps in and like lands. You're tougher than I thought, Leapfrog. Like, <laughs> I love these fucking suits so much they're so fun it's also just great to see abe like especially the last few issues he's been sort of mopey yeah. after learning his true life and he's never been this active he's like really come into it here he's just like big time he's yeah like, he's uh, like world's real- in danger i'm gonna act like you guys talk about how great the moment was when he broke the one of the vats yeah a few yeah. issues back and it was just like he was like the moment he had a chance, he's like, his life was, it was a dangerous thing to do. He was not in a safe place to do it. He's like, well, I got to do the right thing now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Yeah. He's so cool. And we're finally getting to up. See As far as he knows, he's alone. I mean, it's him yeah. or no, uh, there's no one else to help him. Yeah. yeah. He like can't let millions die. Um, but yeah, he jumps through a window like, uh, like, Bruce Willis in a Die Hard movie. Yeah, for Hell real. Yeah. That's what it feels like. We're like brandishing this cane. Like I guess the only thing that from Call that he's like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'll take this cane. <laughs> I'll smash yeah. him, smash him with it. Kicking, uh, hitting into the console. I love ripping how, off robot arms. Yeah, I love how proper they speak to him, even in act. Like even though in, like he's clearly got the upper hand, or he's messing things up like i suppose i can't post i can't postpone killing you any longer yeah it's i love how proper they are it's still. really fun <laughs> yeah yeah 
also how underestimating they are. This uh, guy, they don't realize how strong Abe is. Yeah. yeah. This guy, Abe makes short work of this guy. <laughs> yes, he does. Smashes him into a console, rips his arms, starts just taking his arm and like <laughs> grating it against the machines. Like I imagine he's just like, you know, like just grinding it against the entire wall of like going down like that. These are great, like chink, chink, chink. Like, yeah. Clem Robbins sounds. is really killed, having a great blast on all these uh, t- um, uh, sound effects. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. Um, yeah, leaves him there, burning, walks out of the house, uh, and then he's confronted by the like way more formidable looking. Yeah, this one looks like a guy. tank. Yeah, he's he's definitely more like in the Mignola kind of style. Like he's got these like gorilla like posture and arms that I think like Mignola that's his fucking bread and butter like having this like sort of like you know these sort of like folded fingers almost into paws and then the yeah. like kind of yeah just the like how he's hunched I, over so it's such a simple decision but I love that each suit is different yeah um it would be very easy to have made them all the same like story-wise, you could logically explain that, but they're just like, like, let's make them all different. Yeah, I think in the back matter of the trade, they talk about like as if each one is the next generation. Um, oh, that's great. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I love that. Um, and but like it's like it's a cool idea, and it just makes them stand out so much, and it makes each of these fights feel different. Yeah, it's just really really fun. Yeah. yeah, and they just they're great. Like the they're like sort of like brass, like steampunky sort of like. Like they're very nautical. I mean, that fits with their whole, especially if they were like starting to work on these kind of suits back when they were doing like deep dives for this, for the creature that essentially turned call into Abe. Like yeah. it makes sense that they would, this is like the technology that they are yeah, they're limited used to, to and they, yeah. That yeah. they know it's like a cool, it's, it's a, it adds a lot of character and it's really neat. Yeah, there's no Wi-Fi in those robots. Yeah, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just a just a wonderful, nutritious goo that keeps these old men alive. alive. <laughs> yeah. Some kind of fermenting pickle juice in there um, that's keeping also, them. I also love that Abe is now, at this point, when he faces the gorilla Terranaut, he's now fighting with the arm of his last victim instead of his cane. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice power move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, he's like, uh, you know, then they kind of have that little discussion of like, you're going to kill millions of people. And it's like, just they're, you know, like, uh, uh, I can't believe, like, it's a little sad. He's like, you are our friend and we thought you were going to lead us. And this is very disappointing as a, a crazy scientist. I think that that's, it's a bummer that you're, that I have to kill you now, basically. Yeah. Um, then the house is like completely completely consumed by fire at this point and the other guy i forget the other guy's name I always this guy's mcwerther yeah right. he's calling yeah. for mcwerther yeah he's calling for mcwerther like he took my arms and my suit is shorting out please get me it's like okay i'll get this other <laughs> i'll get abe later he's like no 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 get that guy now as abe is tipping over the generator full of gasoline and dumps it onto them into the fire and then, like a little bullet, this guy <laughs> McWerther <laughs> shoots up so far that he lands in the water. And then this is—I love this detail—just like falls past the ship that they used for Call to do his diving mission to get yeah, the, the creature. Yeah, 
So yeah. like we've seen that one before. That was really cool. And I love that it it's is, not fully. It's just like the backside of it. It's perfectly a good. Right. Like, it's like Easter enough egg. to be like, oh, yeah, that's what that ship is. It's it's such a great sequence. Uh, the guy without arms being like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like nope, go finish him off. You <laughs> idiot. He did to me. And the next thing you know, he's exploded. Um, it's great. The sub is such a cool design. It's so too. great. It's so huge. He's more dangerous than he looks. Another great, a bunch of great sound effects. A nice crang, a boom with an H. Yeah. <laughs> you really get the like, the like can flag your, like, you know, it's like feels like a fire consuming it with that, with it. I, I just love that. It's a nice little detail. Very good. A plash and not a splash, friend. Yeah. These are specific. Yeah. These and they're they're great sound effects. They're written in a way that sort of you barely notice them when you're sort of reading this book. Yeah, just, you yeah. feel them. Exactly. Yeah. It's like they everybody's just this little team working on this book is doing such an amazing job to like yeah, down to like composition of the page. Like as he hits the water, you feel that impact, and then the weight of him falling, you understand that he's falling so fast. Because like just by the, I don't know, the design of just the bubbles, like it's really so cool. It's so, so cool. Um, yeah. Uh, Guy Davis just like, lays out a great page too. It's like, he does. it's the, the sub picture with just a little bit of the guy flying by. It's, it's almost negative space, even though it's all filled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just great. Um, and then meanwhile, on the other side of the Island, this, uh, naked, Husk Naked Ed, yeah, is Edward. out there. <laughs> Edward's out there just being like, okay, guys, you can set off the bombs now. <laughs> like, <Yeah. waiting. laughs> so he sees the explosion, so I'm sure he knows that something's up. And then our last remaining uh, Terranaut guy comes up to threaten Nonette a little bit. She says, go to hell, which is great. <laughs> and then, yeah, keeping up with their like, sort of like formal language, such uncharitable language these days as he's holding a candelabra walking through this mansion. Like all of it is so fun and silly. Um, Yeah. But still you're like reading it like, Oh shit. Like, I don't know. It feels like such a great pulpy sort of story with all these guys. And I like how we've taken sort of a turn Yeah. before it was like Abe having to be sort of being pursued by them. And now he's destroyed two of them. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy's with his candelabras being now hunted by Abe. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's interesting. These two pages, it almost at a quick skim, like when I'm looking back at this, like Abe looks like the villain of the piece all of a sudden. Yeah. He's cloaked in shadow. Yeah. This other guy is kind of lit up and uh, by the next page is terrified, begging for his life, basically. Yeah. I mean, he's a crazy, insane murderer. Yeah. Yeah. You have to remind yourself of that. But there's a moment where you're just like, oh, poor dude. Yeah. (laughs) They're in like these pretty fragile. Yeah. Like they're so fragile, which I think is a fun. It's like I'm torn of whether I love or hate the line where. So like Abe hits his little view, his little window cracks the screen or cracks the you know, not screen like fucking hole, like his yeah cracks his uh, uh viewport window window <laughs> yeah porthole port well, sure cracks it haven't you geniuses discovered plexiglass as he <laughs> that's it he like he taps on the glass yeah a lot of plexiglass really could have solved a lot of these guys problems um 
We see Edward. I mean, it is funny. These guys are geniuses. They've done such amazing things. Yeah. But they have not adapted to modern technology. No. The way that would have I guess them they're out. so isolated, right? Like they're just working with yeah. what they got. But they they've managed to put these bombs on different islands. I don't know. They probably could. Who knows? But you know, don't think. You know. I mean, this is what isolationism does for you. You need right. to. Uh, you, you need globalism, to, guys. Yeah, you, if you need. Want to, if you want to just. If you want to kill everyone and get their souls. You need a globalist <laughs> nature. You got to think bigger. <laughs> You can't just think one area of the Pacific Ocean. That's right. No. Um, Edward hears the screaming. We see these columns behind him. So we assume he's like approaching the house or like, you know, getting in there. And then the next page, the suit is like buckled over and this little sort of like, uh, you know, wormy, pale mess of a man is like just kind of squirming in his glass and his goo. Yeah, it's fetus-like yeah, in, a little uh, fetus. in that dark way. A little Voldemorty kind of guy. Edward's coming up with uh coming up to kill Nanette, basically. You've lived too long. The fireplace will be crowded with your bones tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> scary and like, yeah, just naked and like huge coming in and threatening you. But then she gives him a headache. I'm not a goddamn water goddess, you <laughs> Terratism? I, mean, I don't know what that means. I don't Let's know. Do Let's do a, do quick, a quick search. Google. Abnormal <laughs> form or structure developed abnormally. Damn. Well, he's, he was built in a jar. That's some good vocab for this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. issue. <laughs> My name is Panya and I'll outlive you. It's so good. So, so good. And then Abe immediately like stabs him through the ribs from the back. He does this, you know, the awesome move of taking the knife that you were stabbed with and pulling it out. Uh, That's That's always badass. It's always a great move, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like the, it's, you know, it's the same as like tasting your blood after getting punched or something, like. Yeah. uh, Something like that. It's a very confident move. My favorite move is when action stars uh, go further onto the blade. Yeah, yeah, they even pull it in. (laughs) I like it. I'm a freak. (laughs) I love his blood yeah so they kind of have this exchange of like it was just their their bodies were gonna die we were gonna let their souls live forever you jerk and then abe chops off his hand he continues to fight and strangle abe damn slimy monkey as he's choking him out he's so big one hand he's he's choking him yeah (laughs) just leaning against him like terrifying and then yeah abe just barely grabs the sword and starts fucking just hacking at his neck and face and you at first you're like oh i guess they're not going to show us and then you flip the page and you see his fucking like eviscerated face and like his head his decapitated head just rolls past abe abe's and covered this is in horror blood. movie horror movie staging right blood oh yeah onto the victim and then you see the head roll by it's yeah, it's vicious. It's oh, rough, it's, and none of the cuts are like. There's no clean cut. It's just right. He's just <laughs> hack. It's literally like hack, 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 hack. It, like, I would say the most bad, horrifying sequence as of yet that we've read. In Pretty the rough. And Hellboy. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of like blood, but it's very. It's Mignola's is so stylized that it doesn't feel as like visceral as this. I think like it's it's also a man, even if it's a. Yeah, man, it's not a monster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To like see a human head that's this 
grotesquely (laughs) fucking cut up. It's really rough. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's super effective. And then the body just like, you know, I think like mirroring the suit that we saw a couple pages ago is like just slumped over, um, defeated. Um, And Abe just is coughing there. Then, you know, the next morning, the BPRD, well, just Daimyo has arrived and the police, um, then they make like a fun, like Daimyo's like, Christ, that is a one ugly cow. <laughs> like, <laughs> pointing towards this, like, I mean, what do you even call it? What, what, I wonder, what, you know. like it has some crab legs at the top. You got some know. little sort of like mandibles and yeah. Little, legs and udders. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a rough combination. Whatever they were going for that day. This was like the scraps of DNA that they had. But then they kind of get to, yeah, they sort of have this like fun exchange of like, yeah, we all got beat up and had fun, didn't we? And we bonded even though we weren't like right with each other. I love it. I mean, it's also, Daniel, I think, respects Abe in this moment. He's like, man, you were, you fought. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you took a beating and you still accomplished the mission. I don't have any black eyes to show off to the girls back home, you know, (laughs) as Abe is like. But then Abe, you know, he's not like laughing. He's just like still a little haunted as Abe must be. And then they just kind of continue to talk. I don't know why. I guess like, why do you think that they have this police officer like come and interrupt or a BPRD agent, I should say. That should hold him. But I think we, I guess that's just... Just for her he's to say, bandaging. They've, they've, yeah, she's just helping him. Oh, I see. Just, I he's see. a, me, it's a medic. Oh, she's just I'm, wrapping up his arm. I'm a nut. Was so <laughs> I was like, who is she talking about? Like when I initially read it, I was like, I don't know why I didn't interpret that. Obviously, she has this huge red cross on her <laughs> arm and chest, and I was like, who is she talking to? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, also hold them together sounds like you're tight. You tied somebody up. Yeah. Yeah, um, I used to, I was like, oh, did they like grab one of the remaining people? But they're all like toast. They're yeah, all dead, yeah. dead meat. But yeah, so they need another moment together. And Daimyo's kind of like, so this is why you came here. You get some answers if you, yeah. And this is great. Like I'm, I met some men here, Captain, and they all knew Langdon Call. I knew him very, or knew him very well, as it turns out. But they didn't know me, and that's fucking. It's like, oh yeah, Abe gets to be himself now and gets to like. Have some const like he. I think he's like consoled and knowing that he's not that person anymore, and that's a good thing. Like I think before maybe he was like a little haunted by like who was I and I missed this life. And he has the picture of Call's wife on his table and like his desk. Yeah. I think he like kind of longed for that life that that he can't even remember. And I think like meeting these guys has been like okay, this is for the best that I'm not this person anymore. And yeah, it's, it's, it's like a beautiful ending for him. Like he gets to kind of have a little bit of closure as close closure, as possible. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. There's a little bit of accepting that Abe was a birth and not a rebirth. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Great way to put it. Yeah. And I'm, uh, I don't know when this sort of kicks in at some point, Abe goes from looking to the past to looking to the future in this, these books and like what, he, like almost like a little hellboyish and like, what's my, uh, role. What's, what's mm. my problem? Like, what am I fated to be? And and how do I feel about that? Which is interesting. So he switches from the past to the future. I don't think that's quite yet. It's nothing in this book. BPRD happens that quickly. It's not like, Oh, next issue, Abe will be this way. It's like, he's still going to be a little bit sad, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's who he is. And they're smart about that. 
but this is definitely a turning point for him. That's good. It's a great turning point. It's a great <laughs> it's such end such a relief this. for him to say that too, as the reader, you're like, while he has been like sad in previous issues of BPRD and Hellboy, he at least like has this like camaraderie with Hellboy and like this level of banter where it's like, okay, he like enjoys some things, but I think this has like haunted him for so long at this point. So it's so what a relief to have him kind of have a bit of closure and acceptance of himself. That's really cool. I also just like this story for Damio, who it's a small part for him, but yeah. especially when we reread it, like he comes in as like almost an antagonist in those early volumes. Yeah, for sure. And you're like, this guy's a problem. Liz doesn't like him. So he's bad news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You he's don't put trust in charge. Him. He's got some dark secrets. And by this volume, it's like, no, he's okay. Yeah. He's a good guy. They trust him and they should trust him. He's just another one of them. He's just another um, BPRD. He's He fits here. I guess mm-hmm. he just like him coming at a time when Hellboy just left. Like, yeah. He's, oh, yeah. He's like a stepdad. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they don't want to accept him just simply because not, they want the other. Hi, Ben. <laughs> you're not our Hellboy. You're and not Hellboy and I'll never call you that. to him right away. <laughs> like, he doesn't even remember Hellboy. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much nailed it. I love that. Did you guys have any favorite panels or dialogue in this whole thing? Um, two things that I, I, I thought was interesting. Uh, they're not a, a favorite panel, but it's a, just like a, a mirror image that I, I when rereading it right now, caught it was that Terranaut, the last Terranaut that's dead, mm-hmm. hunched over. I like that that is almost a mirror image of Edward's dead body hunched yeah. over. Almost implying to the Edward, yeah, he might be a man, but it's also this thing was created. Yeah, that's a suit. It's a suit in a sense. Yeah, yeah. it's supposed to have souls go into it. Yeah. I just like that that choice to have that mirror image. Yeah, he's still there's still like this level of humanity that none of them maintain. Like they're so far gone onto their like mission that they perceive as good that I think that they've lost their humanity and they're like they're all husks regardless of whether it's like flesh or bronze and glass or whatever yeah. the fuck the other ones are made of. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah, that's they're just trading one fake body for another. Yeah. I mean, I, I gravitate towards that window jumping sequence. Um, yeah, that was very cool. It, it's just like, it's, a, it's like the next step from him breaking the vat from the previous issue, which is Abe going super proactive. He came here nervous and anxious and hoping for help. And he just like took over. Yeah, totally. And it's great to see. I also just love those last couple panels that you just recapped, Kate. Uh, just, uh, Sort of like resign, maybe okay with it, sitting on the steps with Damio, surrounded by like monster creatures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're similar to him. They're like these these um hybrids. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's such a weird aspect of the story. It's like you don't need those animals for the story to work. No, no. They're so great. They're so great. I guess just it's purely to be like, these guys are like Dr. Moreau. Like that's the <laughs> yeah. only reason they're there, right? Just to be like these guys are bad like him. Now you know it. <laughs> like that's kind of. I mean, I guess the logic is it's like that was them trying to figure out how to develop the human bodies they needed. I, I guess. guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the cow is probably for sustenance. Sure. Yeah. That The milk from this thing is delicious. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, it, it does feel like one of those things. It's like it's not like you would read the story and go, I uh, wonder, like, well, where are the animals they must have developed? Right, for? right. <laughs> but, but for, it just adds some nice flavor, like, I guess. Whether, whether it came from Guy or John or Mike, it's just, it, it adds, like, the unnaturalness, the uncomfortable creepiness of this whole world to totally. the story. Totally. Yeah. Like, what they're willing to do and, Yeah. Yeah. So small details that let the world really like feel so fully cool. developed. Yeah. It, it is it. one of the things when, and I'm getting way ahead of you guys, but when guy leaves, they, they have like rotating artists a little bit. Um, and there's some of them are great. I mean, they're all great. Uh, some of them fit perfectly and some of them are less so, but you lose like sort of this guy Davis kind of just feels like a co-creator. Like he, he's just as invested as the other two guys. You lose that a little bit. Yeah. Mm. Um, there definitely is things where it's like people are drawing characters created by other people and continuing things. Uh, and some of them are artists that I now follow on everything. Tyler Crook, James Heron, these guys do such great work. Yeah. But it, it's sad when you don't have Guy Davis guiding this whole thing. I mean, you've got, I envy you, you've got, I don't know, like eight more volumes. Of Guy <laughs> Davis art. It's I'm so, so great. excited to keep reading it. Like it is like, it's like you said, Dave, it's hard to stop yourself. Yeah, it was really hard yeah. to stop and instead of just pick up. We're going to continue talking, uh, Kevin, but uh, Kate's got to step back. I'm she's so get, sorry. She's got to get to a oh. Sixers game. I'm sorry to leave a comic oh discussion God. to go to a sports <laughs> event. It's the ultimate oh, betrayal. It's the ultimate yeah, betrayal. Yeah, you're a jock. My friend from out of town is there. I can't I can't bail on him. So. Uh, but we'll continue talking just to I'm wrap sorry, up. I'm sorry, Kevin. Thank you very, very, very much for doing this. And no, thank for, you for having me. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's always great talking about comics with you. You, I, you and Will are great comics talkers. So, yeah, I just really appreciate you making the time to talk to us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. Bye, Kate. Bye. Any final thoughts on this? Um, excuse my voice. Um, any final other thoughts on the whole series uh, or the whole storyline or this issue in particular, Kevin? No, I mean, I kind of said them at the top. It, it definitely feels like this was the book I remember finishing and going, oh, man, do I, is this my favorite book that's coming out in comics right now? Uh, which is a great feeling. I love when it sneaks up on me. Uh, sometimes I'll read a book uh, and I'll be like, oh, this is great. This is my favorite comic. I love these creators. I know that from the beginning. But my favorite thing is when I sort of am just reading something that's good and then I realize, oh, through a slow burn, this has become the best thing. And how did this get so good? And I didn't even notice it. Uh, I, I loved the uh, cartoons, this is a, a strange analogy, but I love the cartoon, uh, the Batman animated series cartoons. Yeah. And the Superman animated cartoons and then the Justice League animated cartoons. Uh, they were all so great and fun. But I also remember watching Justice League Unlimited on Cartoon Network and at some point during that going, when did this cartoon get to the next level? Like it just became this sort of epic story without me noticing it. And I was like, how is this cartoon my favorite thing on television right now? <laughs> uh, and like when those moments and those things happened to me, uh, I remember Angel, the series Angel did the same thing to me. I was like, oh, I'm so into the show. And it's a spinoff of a show that I loved, but I didn't expect this. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what's happening here. It's like Abe has come into his own. Damien has sort of become part of the group. Johan has become a, such a full character. I mean, that probably started last volume, but even more so, mm -hmm. even though his little part here. It's so great. It's just like, this now feels like, oh, this this sells me on these. It, like, if I was going to give someone a volume of this book to hook them, I would weirdly start with this one. 
Yeah, that's a great pick. I mean, I uh, I don't think there's it's so contained too that you don't you're not really lost either. In yeah, like it's separate world. from the frogs. Um, you'd be lost a little bit, just like these are weird characters. What's their deal? And you have yeah. to be like, just accept that that this this is the cast. Uh, but I think if you read this, you'd want to go back to you know I think volume three is where it all kicks off when Guy Davis cam comes on. Yes. Um, and, you know, you'd be like, so, you know, especially if you read Hellboy, you know, like, should I read BPRD? Get this volume. And yeah. you'll know. He'll be like, and the yeah. answer is yes. You know, <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> if you like Hellboy, you'll definitely like this for sure. Yeah. I love it. We didn't even talk about, um, but we should talk about it briefly, the cover for this issue um, by Mignola. I love it. It's just... I like that he continued to do the covers for at least for a bit. Yeah, it's great. He does them for a pretty long time, right? I think so, anyway. I'm not fully I, aware, so, but yeah, I mean, that's what I Since I read them in trades, it, it, they are often just like use the chapter headings. So sometimes I, I almost, they don't, they don't, the one downside to getting these in trades versus issues is the covers don't hit you as hard. Yeah. I wish they had them as a cover gallery in the back um, more than um, just chapter headings. Um, because they're also sort of like like toned down color wise, so they don't they don't pop as much as the real covers. Yeah, and you want that, especially from Dave Stewart, because this one's really yeah. cool. It really encapsulates like everything we're going to go through, which is like the Edward homunculi character sort of burning, and then you really get to see Abe sort of in action, the Mignola style on that cover, which I love. Yeah, I think it's also interesting. Like, I love the back matter for these books. I love trades that come with um extra stuff and this comes yeah. this book has like an afterward and sketch pat book from guy and this one doesn't have as much of it but sometimes they'll talk about things like mike does the covers before the issues because they have to be in the previews so guy uses those covers sometimes is like oh this is what mike's trying this character like that's great you designed this for me <laughs> really cool. or you designed this machine or creature and i'm going to jump off of that so it helps the idea of like i mean i think there was a lot of back and forth between Mike and Guy, but it, it's it's just this great idea that like Guy isn't alone. He's working with a master, which is probably why he stayed on this book so long. You got to imagine everyone who stayed on this book is just like, it's great to work with Mike. I don't mind that I've been doing this book for years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we he, get to collaborate with a, one, one of the best. Exactly. I mean, everybody, there's so many always stories of other writers working with him in his own like workshop and just admiring all the weird books he has on the shelves. They always yeah. call that out. They're like, he has all this stuff. <laughs> so he seems like a good, I mean, for a guy that like has control of his whole world, he seems like a fairly great collaborator for these people, the way they talk about him. Yeah. He, you'd think he would be a control freak. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's such, it's, there's such epic things. Um, and it seems like the best creators often are control freaks. It's just like, no, I better do everything. I have final say because it's my baby, but definitely there's a lot of John in here and guy in here. Uh, and Mike is just has, he's just ideas and, and mm -hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe like an outline, but I don't even know that much. I don't know how much of the whole story came from Mike alone or how much of it came from like Mike and John talking. He, he's great. He's fantastic. in that way, um, I mean, the downside of that is then I think he feels okay not drawing all the Hellboy books later on. Right. Uh, and that's sad just because you want him to do it. But but everyone who works with him seems to love it. It's He's not one of those guys who's telling you exactly what to do and then taking the fun away. You're creating with him. Mm -hmm. It's like a guy that you dream that you get that chance, I bet, a lot of, for a lot of creators and artists and 
in comic books. Yeah. It's good stuff. Do you have anything, uh, just to move on to other segments, do you have anything uh, that based on this garden of souls or even just this issue that is inspired to you that you would want to like say, if you like this to our uh, listeners to read, watch or enjoy that's out there in the world as well. Um, well, I would recommend following John Arcudi. Um, he's doing a book called rumble now for image about like, it's, it's, it's tonally very different. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a little sillier, a little more humor, uh, less epic for sure. But it's John Arcudi. It's character goodness. It's about a, uh, a great mythic warrior, like a Conan type, who has been resurrected in the body of like a scarecrow in like a modern day city and kind of like continuing his fight against evil. That's sort of the pitch, but that's not necessarily where all the stories go. I don't think it sells great. And I want more people to read it and buy it so that it goes forever. <laughs> that's basically uh, my feeling on that. But I just love John Arcudi. This series cemented that for me like he went from a guy that i would see his name and be like oh i like his stuff to i'll buy everything he writes yeah i'm looking at the covers right now too as i quickly pulled up for rumble these covers are amazing yeah uh, i think that's james heron uh, is the first artist yeah. on it he switches artists a little bit later james heron's stuff on that book is beautiful and he keeps doing covers and that's all it's just great. It's it's some really cool stuff. It's particularly the first couple arcs of Rumble, I think, are great. It's definitely not a BPRD thing where you're going to be investing in 25 volumes. I think mm-hmm. there's three or four volumes right now. But it's great. It's it's very different. So in that sense, it's not inspired by this so much as it's written by this guy. So read his stuff. Yeah, I'll take that. And I, I don't have any other uh, thing. I'm just going to say I'm going to pick up Rumble because that looks great, and I didn't even really know about it. Yeah, it's it's quiet. I mean, this comics is a very crowded field right now. There's so many good books. Uh, none of them sell tremendously, except for like a handful, uh, which is sad, because it just means there's these great books that aren't getting reached mm-hmm. and are, you know, could fade away just because like there's just not enough readers for it. And uh, that's one of them. You know, it's just like, oh, it's right there. Uh, and I want people to read more. I don't mm-hmm. know. Let's, I love I love comic books. <laughs> well, hopefully all of our listeners will pick it up. <laughs> that's that's what I'm hoping. Use your power. That we will. Uh, great. And th- did you see the Hellboy movie? I don't know if we ever got to talk to you about that. I'd love to see you know, if you did. I, it's on my DVR, and I keep putting it <laughs> off because I've heard such bad things about it. Um, I have to watch it at some point, but it's just like whenever I go to watch, I'm like, I think I'd watch anything. I just don't hear it's good. Yeah, you're, that's not wrong, what you're being told. Um, I will watch it eventually. I mean, um, I don't know. I, I, I was hopeful, but the trailers did not give me much faith. And then the reviews shattered what little hope I had. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough one. But hey, let me ask you about the movie. This is a weird thing to yeah, do on a please. podcast for a movie that I could just watch. Is Hellboy... One of the things I love about the Hellboy universe and BPRD is that nobody is surprised when Hellboy walks into a room. Nobody like freaks out that like Abe Sapien is running the organization that's protecting them from this evil army. They're like, Oh yeah, the amphibian man. That makes sense. There's a little bit of just like people seem to know those people exist and they don't care or they don't freak out about it. But in the original movies, the the del Toro movies, right? Like they were Mm -hmm. secret. Nobody knew about Hellboy and Abe Sapien. Yeah. They went Um, men in black with that. Are they secretive in, in the new movie or are they like a known quantity? 
it, it feels it's half and half. Um, <laughs> yeah, because like you do see Hellboy out in public and no one responds to the way like that's weird or like what's that? It just feels like, oh, he can walk in uh, around the street and everybody just knows that that exists. But then the organization like has a secret headquarters. So it's hmm. sort of, you know what I mean? Like you feel like it feels like they're, they're dipping their toe in both areas versus just like, Hey, the, in the comic, I have the feel like they might have like a Colorado base that yeah. no one can get access to. And they might end up doing, have to do a, a very public press conference after the events in plague of frogs. But you are still understood that like they weren't really hiding. They had a Connecticut headquarters. No yeah. one's really hiding away. Yeah, it isn't like we didn't know this organization existed. It's just like they weren't doing anything we cared about until this big epic thing. Yeah. So the movie's um, doing both, so it's not very clear. I would I mean, if I made the show, if I turned BPRD into my into uh, Amazon Prime series, ten episode seasons, I would not want i would just be like yeah these are just known quantities it's a it's an organization of like freaks for lack of a better word yeah people know they exist like it was maybe a big story when hellboy first showed up or whatever but it just seems like oh yeah we're in a world where these things happen occasionally (laughs) i'm with you 100 percent. i was like i don't want to deal with the fame and or non-fame of the organization i want to deal with them just like that you know, it's, they're the Avengers of of this world. Yeah, I would even go so far as saying like they're Avengers, but they're like more working class Avengers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're yeah, they're, they're they're not as they're not you 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 wouldn't be like oh my goodness, Abe Sapien came into my store to be like oh yeah, Abe buys his uh, Cheerios here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good guy, good guy, good guy. He's so nice. He always leaves yeah. an extra like a tip for me. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, that's the sort of take I want on them. And then you just have fun with their world and their interactions with each other more than their interactions with the public. Uh, you know, yeah. just because that's not in the comic. I, it's like when that's in the movie, I'm like, well, that's a different story. I agree. So much of the the first movie was about Hellboy wanted people to be public. And I was like, oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. It, it got in the way, I think, of the richness of his character anyway. Yeah. So I was hoping in the new movie they would at least have that, but it sounds like Sort of, which is maybe the whole whole problem of that movie. It's they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, that's exactly. It's it's a lot of that of them like trying to do it all. And they, when you finally watch it, you'll understand they do try to do everything. They put so much in the movie; it's insane. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should have watched it before this podcast, as I knew I was talking to you. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) Then I watched the Thomas Crown Affair, like a a weirdo. (laughs) The original or the Pierce Brosnan? Pierce Brosnan one. Um, So very much of its era, Um, but it was a movie (laughs) that I'd always wanted to see, and it was on, so I taped it, and then I was like. This is what I'm watching instead of Hellboy. <laughs> you know, Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo, a beautiful couple. You know, they do. They look pretty. Right? Uh, I love that you went with that one. You know, I think you were better <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> and then before I let you go and before we get... Um, the, uh, a fun thing I want to talk to you about is, and I'm going to call this segment called What the Hell If? Because you and Will are very... You grew up with Marvel. You know, you especially, even more than Will... You, I feel like you're close to that kind of brain that has like an encyclopedia knowledge of the Marvel universe. Yes, I want to know what would happen if if Hellboy ever met the Marvel universe. What do you think events would possibly occur, or how would interactions with some of their heroes go? <laughs> I mean, for certain, Hellboy would not think much of them. <laughs> right? He would. Yeah. 
like they're even Captain America feels like you know he's wearing a uniform, he's standing up front. Like Captain America is a good guy. Maybe if he hung out with Captain America long enough, I think he'd like him. But I think his initial reaction would be like. These guys are full of themselves. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're the Avengers. And that's maybe more the fault of Tony Stark than the rest of the Avengers. But I think he wouldn't think much of Spider-Man or Tony St- or Iron Man or Captain America or any of them. Uh, <laughs> they, I think they would come off as too flashy for him. I see um, it. I would see if, if you were going to cross over them, it would sort of be a supernatural thing comes up. And Doctor Strange or someone's like, we got to bring in the experts. <laughs> and then they go get Hellboy and he's like, oh, of course you need my help. You should be able to handle this on your own. Let me do this. And I think he would be um, maybe too direct makes the problem worse because Hellboy doesn't have the patience to make a, a long-term plan. Mm-hmm. He kind of just goes in and punches first. <laughs> uh, he wouldn't He wouldn't be patient. He's like, let's just get in here and take care of this and then I can go home. Um, and then things would spiral out of control and there'd probably be a begrudging respect for, uh, I think for cap who's, you know, an army guy. And I think Hellboy see, gets those guys a little bit more, right? but I bet he would never really like Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't think they'd get along. (laughs) Uh, I think they, I think they would rub each other the wrong way. I'm not sure he'd even like Dr. Strange. I think Dr. Strange is a little too much for him. Um, even though they're both supernaturally, uh, founded. So I think that, I think they'd all rub each other the wrong way. That's so and funny. at the end, I think like you can see cap being able to recruit Hellboy again later, but he would really, he would change his phone number. So no one else can <laughs> contact him. <laughs> Only ca- at least cap. that's the, that's the MCU for sure. Take is what I'm kind of doing there. Yeah. More than the uh, comic book take for sure. It's a big figure. Who do you think would win if he had to fight the thing? Uh, Classic, always comic book question. Thing versus Hellboy. Well, the, the the true answer is whoever's writing it would decide. So <laughs> if it was John Byrne, it would be the thing. And if it was Mike Mignola, it'd be Hellboy probably. Um, I think Hellboy, I think Hellboy has to, you know, neither should win. Oh, that's such a tough question. Yeah, the, thing, the thing's whole thing, his whole personality is never gives up. He just always gets back up. Mm-hmm. So he, you might not, he, the thing doesn't always win, but he never loses. Right. Um, and Hellboy just wins. I think so. I weirdly, it, it's such a stalemate. Um, you know, I'm going to probably go the thing, unfortunately for Hellboy. All I think right. the Hellboy is a, tra- has a tragicness to him that despite the things, uh, um, origins, the thing doesn't have, the thing is more optimism. He's like, I've, I got to win and save everyone, and I'm going to. Where Hellboy is, I don't even want to deal with this. <laughs> and I think, I think optimism. I'm, uh, you know, despite our country, I think optimism wins. I think over you're pessimism. right. I love it. I, I, love I was it. I, when it, you first asked me, my initial instinct was Hellboy. By the end, I talked myself into Ben Grimm winning. I can even see Hellboy with the way you're talking. He would just give up. It would be a win for the thing. Yeah. but Hellboy would be like. Let's just have a. Can we stop? <laughs> there, there, if you're if you're telling the story well, it would be a story where Hellboy realizes he needs to lose for like whatever. Um, and you know, it's like, oh, if I lose, the world is saved. But I have to. But the thing, I can't throw it, so I have to let the thing beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then the thing sad about having to do it. Hellboy gave up the sacrifice. Yeah, that's the story. That's how that plays out. Oh, that's a sad story. I don't love this. No, we don't. It's, it is, but man, and you, you know what? 
those two guys would get along. They're cut from the same cloth. Yeah, they ben, would. Ben Grimm and, and uh, Hellboy would be buddies. Yeah, they might have like a Hulk Wolverine interaction at first, but then they'll just end up being best friends. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, just like they're both just bruisers. They smoke cigars. They play poker. They are both working class Joes who are swept up into bigger than life situations. They are cut from the same cloth. Very good. <laughs> well, uh, we're gonna go and we're gonna go pitch that and see if we can make it happen. Yeah. All right, Marvel, call us up. Don't call Mike. Uh, call us. Call us. <laughs> yeah. We'll write it. Uh, get worry about permissions later. Disney can buy Dark Horse. Yeah. I'm surprised they don't own it. <laughs> yeah. Next, this next on their to-do list. <laughs> Gobbling it all up. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been great, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I pretty much demanded it. I, I uh, attacked you on Instagram and on our Slack channel, <laughs> demanding that I get to do this volume. Um, I, I, and I'm also glad now because it's got me rereading these volumes. I'm, I've been worse about rereading stuff since having a kid. Understandable. Because um, I can barely keep up with new stuff. But now I've got the stack of Plague of Frogs on my thing. I got Killing Ground right here to read next. I can't wait. That's what we're moving on to next. I can't wait as well. Is that the next arc? I I do believe so. I don't have the list right in front of me, but I believe that we're going right into after this, we're going into Darkness Calls. That's specifically what we're up to next. Okay. And you know, and you've got the the flashback series in 1946 and 1947. Those are really fun. Yeah. We have a lot of those are other ones where I was like, oh, am I going to another thing? (laughs) Because Arcudi doesn't do 46. Right. And I was like, no, I'm not excited about it. It's great. Um, <laughs> it's great. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Have you been reading any of the recent like one-offs? I basically after how on earth ended, I was, I, which I think did not end great. Oh, I think, I think, um, plague of frogs ends great. How on earth just got a little, it might end fine, but it was so sprawling by the time it ended, I lost some of the fever I had, like mm-hmm. the fever I feel now for, Garden of Souls lasts a long time. But then by the time you get to those last couple of volumes, I'm just sort of like, oh, I just kind of want it to wrap up. It just, it's, it's hard for me to manage what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when it wrapped up, I sort of needed a breather, stepped away. And then I kind of heard what was happening in the third volume, which I forget what that's called, um, of BPRD. And then, so I sort of mm-hmm. got it all in one swallow. It's not that many. I think it's like two or three volumes. Right. And it was okay. It was pretty good. It, it it was it it didn't feel as big as it should have felt. And then I haven't read anything since then. And I know they keep doing Hellboy and the BPRD like uh, flashback stories. Yeah. And at some point, probably what I'll do is I'll just start like I'll get the bug and I'll go and get them all. <laughs> there you go. I mean, they'll definitely coming out in its collection soon. So. Yeah, it's hard to get the one shots for me. Um, I just don't have storage space. So I always wait for trades anyway. So I'm behind now, Um, but not by a lot. I don't think. I don't think so. If you've finished the whole thing, it's, it's, um, they feel a little more disposable. Like 1946, 1947, the, the, the volumes that are coming up within this BPRD run don't feel disposable. They feel essential. Um, I like that feeling. And the other ones I've read since then, uh, which I don't know which ones those are, they're Hellboy and the BPRD, and they sort of follow those series. They feel fine. They feel good. It's like, oh, it's cool to see Hellboy again. But, you know, you don't have Johan. You don't have yeah. Abe and Roger. It's it's different. And 
and and because it's not as it, it feels more like story of the week and and more law and order less uh, lost um mm-hmm. that's how i felt right. yeah on the, the current like one-offs and like, or three issue, like that's sort of how they felt. They felt disposable, yeah. like one-off and you're just like, okay, I'll move on. Gone. Yeah. I mean, in, in a way they show that like you could just do a Hellboy movie. It should be good without having to touch on this epic stuff. They're, they're fun and they're cool, but they're not next level stuff. I think PPRD is next level and Hellboy obviously is uh, legendary stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know you're missing that in in the new stuff for me at least, and that's a guy who hasn't read the last couple. <laughs> right. <laughs> Under um, uh, yeah, sometimes things just need to end. That's how I see it. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like the story ended, but like oh, I have these like I I still want to write you know or whatever. I still I don't want to leave Hellboy completely, but I'm done. I don't need to, it almost feels like I don't need to do any more Hellboy stories, but since I'm alive and kicking, I will do some. more. Yeah. <laughs> if I have them in my head, might as well get them out. Yeah. Right. Cool. Uh, where can our um, listeners get more from you? Well, uh, you can, for, as it said at the beginning, you should listen to my podcast. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics that I do with my brother. Will, we talk about different comics. We just finished up the incredible Hulk and we're moving on to justice league international soon. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Kev Hines, K E V H I N E S, uh, where I tweet occasionally would plug anything else I'm up to. And if you're in New York, check me out at the UCB theater Saturdays at seven 30. I can only vouch for all of that, especially okay, good. if it wasn't for your, um, podcast, I would never have read the original Spider-Man runs and the fantastic oh. four. And I'm glad I did now. Oh, thank you so much. Well, Justice League International is next. It's it's we've moved out of the sixties for change. So we'll see. <laughs> well, now I have a reason to read that. that so it's gonna be great. Uh, it's good. It's real fun. Well, I can't wait. Um thank yeah. you again, Kevin. I really appreciate you um making the time. Uh, yeah, but- thank you for arranging the technical difficulty of contacting someone in another state. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Um, have a great rest of your day and hope hopefully we'll we'll have you back on the on the show in the future. Yeah, I'd love it anytime. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone out there, to this great um, closing out um, episode for Garden of Souls, Chapter 5. We want to hear your thoughts, so you can email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Please let us know what you thought of the storyline, what you thought of the episodes, anything you want to add, anything you want to, like, you know, um, say that we got wrong, which is we welcome all of that information it just keeps the conversation going on these great mignola mignola verse um, comics that we all love so we'd love to hear from you again that is at ah crap a hellboy podcast at gmail.com you can also stay up to date with us on any of our postings on twitter at ah crap hellboy and then instagram at ah crap a hellboy podcast um, and also please go on to apple Podcasts or wherever you um, listen to the podcast Specifically, Apple Podcasts will help more listeners get to us. Give us um, a rating. Um, Please give us a five-star rating. That brings more listeners to us, as well as leave us a review. And if you start your review with the word boom, we will read your review right here on the show and give you a shout-out. Because, you know, like Kate would say, she's not here. She's off to see the Sixers play against the Clippers today. But she would say to you all, I agree with her. Thank you for listening. And... We love you.
Hey, stoners, this is James Mastriani, host of I'm Too and High. We've got a really fun live show coming at you on March 19th, Thursday at 9.30. It's the I'm Too and High presents a variety show. It's at the Original Cannabis Cafe. It's a really fun venue. You're going to be able to come and smoke weed with us. We've got some amazing guests. Joel Kim Booster, Zach Reno and Jessica McKenna, Luke Knoll, Ever Maynard, Ian Abramson, The Quickness. You can smoke. You can eat. It's a great atmosphere, and it's only 10 bucks. Get your tickets at I'm2FNHigh.com.